Well, it's good to be here today. I'm excited about sharing the word with you. And I'm also excited about this eight-week uh, um, uh, impact session of, of family fitness. Guess what? Beginning June 8th on Sunday morning right here, we're going to actually have some uh, memory verse workouts. We're going to, it's all working it out. Everybody say, we're going to work it out. We're going to get in shape spiritually. Could I just be honest with you? Some of you are a little flabby spiritually. We need to get in shape. We need to, we need to get buff and pumped spiritually and strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. In fact, that's our keynote verse for the whole summer. Uh, Ephesians, I think, 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so, a lot of great things going on. You're going to be, uh, you're going to grow spiritually. Your family is going to be changed and transformed by the power of Almighty God. And let me just say, we need that in our life. Tell your neighbor, we need that. We need that in our life. And just, and so be here, plug in, get involved. Let's make this summer uh, a great summer of growing spiritually and just obtaining all that God has for us. And so every Sunday I'll be sharing some keynote workout principles. Now you can tell by my physical physique, physique, I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, workout guy. Brent this morning had a flat on his bicycle off in who knows where because he's just a workout guy. Uh, Josh is a workout guy. I made Josh a big wooden box to jump on. I don't know what he does with it, but he jumps on a box. I mean, in the morning at 4.30 while you're still asleep, Josh is jumping up and down off a box. These guys work out. Uh, they're, they're trying to help their their uh, uh, father-in-law, uh, but uh, hey, you, but spiritually, we need to get strong in the Lord. So I want to encourage you to just make this summer uh, a big deal in your life for your family. As Laura said, your kids will learn memory verses, but guess what? We're going to be learning verses here on Sunday mornings. It's going to be a lot of fun. And everybody said, amen. Well, the last two weeks, let me tell you where we've been. And I got a little, little kind of Something bouncing around up here, if you can help me with that. The last two weeks, the, on Mother's Day, and the Mother's Day choir did a great job, and we talked about the healer is here. Everyone say, the healer is here. Man, Jesus is our healer. And we looked at Matthew chapter 9, where it says he went around, he went around all healing them of all kinds of diseases. And, and we looked and realized that God wants to heal our lives and, and, and help us and, and, and cause us to be, uh, spiritually healthy, physically healthy. And then last week, we looked at the fact that the helper is here. How many of you appreciate the helper? The Holy Spirit in our life. John 14, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you without a helper, without a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you. And so we've embraced the helper in our life and the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot fulfill his kingdom purposes in our lives. And so I want us to embrace not only the healer in our life, but the helper in our life. And this morning, all of those things that we've talked about is for this third part of this little three-part series. And that is this, that the harvest is here. Somebody say it's harvest time. With that in mind, I want you to turn to John chapter 4. And as you're turning, I want you to say out loud again, the harvest is here. I really believe that. In fact, the John chapter 4, and I'm going to, I'm tempted to read 40 verses in this passage or 42 verses in this, in this, but I'll, I'll refrain. I want to show you one verse and then we'll, we'll, pe- we'll just kind of go through and look at this story of the woman at the well. 
The verse that I want you to focus on is, is it written in red, and it is this. It is John 4, let's find it, uh, verse 35. John 4, verse 35, Jesus says this. He says, do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I want to read it again. In fact, it's on the screen. You can read it with me. Let's all read it out loud together. Here we go. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives. And Lord, let us embrace the truth of God in our life and, and be a part of this great end time harvest in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Where does this verse come from? What's the storyline behind this verse? Well, Jesus and his disciples were on the road and it says, I'll show you just a few verses as we go through. It says, but he needed to go through Samaria. How many of you know Jesus needs to go through some places? He, he may need to go through our family. He may need to go through our checkbook. He may need to go through our lives. But he needed to go through Samaria. And as they went through Samaria, uh, he, they stopped at a well, which is called Jacob's Well. I've actually been there a number of years ago as a young high school graduate. I went to uh, what is traditionally called Jacob's Well. Uh, and uh, in the area, and it's the it's supposedly the well that was given to Jacob by his father. How many of you know Jacob was 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 one of the special ones, and so uh, and Joseph, and and so uh, Jacob gave it to Joseph, and so so uh, this well was where in the area of Samaria, and Jesus had to go through there. Samaria was not uh, well received. The Samaritans were not well received by the Jews. There was religious and and racial tension there. There was. And it all goes back to, to, to the early history of, of the, the children of Israel and how there was, was conflict because Joseph was the special child. And we won't need to, we don't need to go into that in depth, but Jesus stops at the well. And how many of you know without something to draw from, you just wishing and dreaming for a drink? Well, the disciples went on into town to find something to eat, and along comes a woman, and Jesus asks her, would you give me a drink? And they start, they start up a conversation, and, and, uh, uh, and Jesus begins to reveal himself to her. He said in verse 10, he said, well, she had a question in verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given, given you living water. Then the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Everyone say everlasting life. And the woman said to him, see, I knew I couldn't help but read all this. Well, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may, uh, may not thirst nor come here to draw. See, she had a little, she didn't quite get it. 
she said, that would be great. I'd never have to come here again. I'd never have, never have to haul water on my head again. I'd never have to carry this heavy pot again. Uh, and she said, that would be awesome. And Jesus said to her, he kind of changed the subject. He got right to the heart of the matter. And he said, well, go call your husband and come here. And the woman probably got a little quiet and then said, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had, you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. He got right into the heart of the matter. And then when she knew she would, she'd kind of been had, she started talking religious. You know, when, when God starts working on people's life, first thing, kind of the default is, well, let's talk religion here. I can talk religion. And she tried that. The woman said to him, uh, she said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. The Jews say that you worship on that mountain or in Jerusalem. Uh, and she just started talking about where you worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we, know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, now she's, she's getting a little closer to, to understanding uh, a little bit. She said, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Now, the disciples came back, and at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he was talking to the woman, yet no one said, why do you seek, uh, what do you seek, or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, get the picture, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And there's the verse that we read. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say, and you lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, here's what I think was happening. This woman had gone back to town. Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. And here comes the people of that city. Men, women, children. Because she said he could be the Christ. And curiosity got everybody's attention. And they came. My imagination is, as the disciples are so concerned about the temporal things, Jesus said, I have food to meat to do and things to do that you know not of. And, and here they come. And he, and he says, hey, guys, quit looking at the bread you brought and look out there. The fields are already white. We're in the middle of harvest time. Somebody say it's harvest time. They're talk, they're thinking about the natural things of life. Jesus is thinking about the harvest. 
And he goes on and he says, He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and other reaps. I have sent you to reap for which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And here's the kicker, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Somebody say amen. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And catch this. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Everybody say it's harvest time. Now, I wanted you to get the story. I want you to see the picture. I want you to see Jesus by the well. I want you to see him talking to this woman who, by the way, had a, had a, had a past. How many of you know we all have a little bit of a past? She had a past. In fact, uh, she was probably not welcome among the women's groups, so she went back and talked to the men. She knew the men. And Jesus got right up in. He was a nosy pepper with her. Jesus became a nosy pepper to this woman at the well. Anybody want to know what a nosy pepper is? He got, he got jalapeno business. And Jesus got jalapeno her business. And he asked her this question, bring your husband here. Oh, I don't have a husband. You're right. You not have one. You've had five. And the one you're now shacking up with, he don't, you don't even have papers on him. And she got real spiritual. She said, I think you're a prophet. <laughs> she went back to town. You got to come see this guy who told me all the things I ever done. And the disciples were concerned about the natural things. And Jesus said, get your eyes off the natural and get them out. Look out there. Here they come. The harvest, the fields are white. Everybody say the harvest is here. And so this morning with this story in mind and this reality that Jesus Christ has a harvest in mind for us, I want to, I want to help you kind of get a harvester's mindset a little bit. How many of you know we need to have a harvester's mindset? We don't need the disciples mindset right here because all they were thinking about is food. Y'all didn't, nobody even said amen right there. Some of you already think about where you're going to lunch on, where, where are we going to lunch? We don't even know. Some of you are thinking about food. That's the way most of us are. Ooh, what, what are we going to have for, where are we going? It's not what the Lord's saying on Sunday, but ooh, where are we going to eat lunch after church, man? Where are we going to eat lunch? This, the disciples. I want you to have a harvester's mindset. And I want to break down this verse 35 uh, uh, for you. Do not, do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I want to break it down in some easy bite-sized portions here for you so you can digest it. Oh, somebody said, oh, he's already talking about biting things, eating things. I'm getting hungry by the second. Let me give you some, let me give you some spiritual food. Three bite-sized portions uh, about this verse. The first one is from, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Here's my bite-sized portion for you to take from that. God's harvest is always in season. Somebody say God's harvest is always in season. You see, he's the Lord of the harvest and there's always, hey, God always, let me just say it this way. There's somebody in your life ready to hear what you have to say about Jesus. I said, there's somebody in your life, in your world, 
in your sphere of influence who is ripe for the picking. I said, there's somebody in your life, this moment, this day, who God has worked in their heart. He's prepared them for you. Now, there are others you need to sow into their life. And then there's some that are ready to, to reap. How many of you know if you're always sowing, you should always be reaping? If you quit sowing, you're all going to stop reaping. But hey, you know what Jesus said? Hey, I'm putting you into the field where somebody else has sowed and you can begin to reap. There may be strangers in your life that are ripe for the picking. Who God has for you. And so I want you to understand, hey, bite number one, the Lord's harvest is always in season. And I want you to begin to get that and get that mindset. There's somebody in my world. There's somebody around me. There's somebody that's ready to hear what I have to say about Jesus. You see, there's, there's kind of two kinds of people in the world. Yes people and no people. We've had those no people. But let me tell you something. There's yes people out there. You were a yes people at some point in your life. And somebody walked into your life and they touched and impacted your life. And you said yes. You were right for the picking for somebody. Are you with me? Bite number two, it's from the part where he says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Here's bite number two. We must see people the way God sees them. I said, we must see people the way God sees them. Now, these disciples were primarily Jews and Jews have no interaction. In fact, this woman was amazed that Jesus would talk to her because Jesus undoubtedly looked just like who he was, a Jew. He says, why are you talking to me? We're not supposed to have any dealings here. And here comes, a, now, I don't want to draw too big of a picture, but how many of you know when there's racial tension, not everybody's happy to see each other? And all of a sudden, here comes the whole town. Now, in my mind, and as, and as one police officer told me at the scene of a very tragic crime, which I will not describe when, when, uh, uh, someone came towards him, he said, you know, when I, that first person came to me with that shotgun, right? And I saw someone laying out on the street. I had to ask myself a question. That's what the police officer said. Is he for me or against me? And I'm sure these disciples were looking at all these Samaritans coming out. Oh, Jesus, he's in stirred up problems now. Are they for us or against us? I'm sure these disciples were not looking at the, oh, on the very least. Oh, now we got to share our bread with these guys. Everywhere we go, we got to give it up. And Jesus looked at them completely different. How many of you, how many of you appreciate the fact that he sees people differently than you do? How many of you appreciate the fact that he saw you different than somebody else did? You're the harvest. And so understand bite number two, we must see people the way God sees them. We must get the heart of God. Too many times we look at people as the problem rather than the potential. We walk into our world and I, let, let me tell you, I've, I've heard Christians say, oh man, them guys at work, oh boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, those people I deal with, those students, oh, Hey, listen, that's the harvest field. I said, that's the harvest field. I want you to get a harvester's mindset. Listen, we can't write them off. People are not the problem. Hey, come on now. They're just all sinners. They can't help it. They're, bo they're born that way. They're natural born sinners and they need somebody to look at them through the lens of God's love and compassion and care like somebody did for you at some point in your life and began to embrace them as the harvest. 
Amen. In fact, Jesus had that mindset. He said he needed to go through Samaria. There's some harvest there. There's some people that need the Lord. Everybody say, people need the Lord. Bite number three. Here it is. Uh, uh, and it's from, for, for they are already white for harvest. Now, it says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for the harvest. Here's bite number three. This, this was real revelation to me. In fact, I tweeted this. Because when I tweet something, you know it made a difference in my life. I'm not a big tweeter or Twitter fan. I don't, but here it is. What should be obvious has somehow become oblivious. What should be obvious. Now, think about the natural harvest. This is what Jesus was saying. How many of you know a farmer and the natural harvest, he knows when the crops are ready. He knows what harvest looks like. I said he knows. And this is what he's trying to get across to the disciples. This should be obvious to you. But somehow you are oblivious to the obvious. And what I want us to begin to understand when we think about people around us and about the world God has placed us in, many times we as God people, we have become so self-absorbed with me, myself, and I, and, and us and ours, and this is mine, and this is that, and here's what I do, and this is my... And in fact, we've turned Jesus into somebody that's, that's like the captain of our Bless Me Club or something. But how many of you know he heals us and helps us in order for us to be harvesters in his field? And what should be obvious to us, that the reason we're still here on planet Earth is for others' sake. And when Jesus says, look at the field, they're white already to the harvest. He was saying, don't you understand? Just like when the farmer looks out and he sees the harvest is ready. Listen, don't, it's this. You've become oblivious to the obvious. We need to open our eyes to the reality that it is harvest time. Somebody say it's harvest time. And so this morning, I want you to embrace it. I want you to take, I want you to chew on, chew on these. Here they are. The Lord's harvest is always in season. Everybody say that. The Lord's harvest is always in season. Let's go back and let's rehearse them real quickly. The Lord's harvest is always in season. Bite, side, bite number two, we must see people the way God sees them. Bite number three, what should be obvious has somehow become oblivious. We've got to, we got to wake up. I saw a picture on Facebook the other day. Some guy had his head in the sand. I don't even know what the, the ad or article was about. That's the way a lot of God's people are. We've become oblivious to the obvious. We've got our head in the sand. We're playing the ostrich and we don't have our eyes up. He said, lift up your eyes and look. Hey, sometimes we're so self-absorbed that we cannot see what God really wants us to see. Amen. So chew on those three things. Now with that in mind, let me just give you some thoughts, some added harvest insight from John 4. In fact, Luke chapter 10, you don't need to turn there. He's called the Lord of the harvest. Everyone say he's Lord of the harvest. He's in charge of the harvest and we are his laborers. In fact, the Lord of the harvest said, pray the Lord of the heart. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. We need laborers. Look around, tell somebody we need laborers in the harvest of God. We need laborers. We need people who, who will, 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 will not be oblivious, but it will become obvious. 
We need laborers in the harvest field. People whose heads up and begin to see people the way God sees them. People who realize that there's somebody in their life that it is harvest time for them. There's some people around them that are ripe for the picking for the things of God. Uh, and so, so uh, the Lord of the harvest, let me give you some thoughts about him today from this passage of Scripture. Here it is, number one. Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, satisfies. He meets every need. Yesterday afternoon, my family took me. They asked me, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to Joe's Crab Shack. I want to sit out on the porch, let the kids play in the sand, and I want a big bucket of something boiled that you have to crack like an animal with your bare hands. We did, didn't we? Everybody else was done, and I was still sitting there cracking. (laughs) And I was satisfied. Jesus is the one that totally satisfies our life. Look what he said to this woman in verse 13. He said, whoever drinks of this water, speaking of the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Hey, hey, listen, Jesus satisfies. And there's a world you're living in. Let me tell you something. People you know, the harvest field, they're going from this to that to trying to find something that'll satisfy the inner longings of their life. To try to bring them peace in their heart. Jesus satisfied. He, he, he's a well that springs up that brings everlasting life. You know, Beverly and I, maybe a few more of you used to sing old hymns and old choruses. In fact, we used to sing this and I'm telling you, I'm sure that Kelly and Zach have never heard this before. They're way too young, but we used to sing this song called There is a River. And oh, if I'd have had time, OMG, I would have gotten the guitar and sang this for you. I might break out into song if the anointment hits me. But it ain't hit me right yet. There is a river and it flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Some of you want to sing it, aren't you? I know, Jim, you're kind of getting anointed over there. I can tell. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. And then, of course, it's, an, it's a, right from this story. There was a thirsty woman who was drawing water from a well. You see, her life was ruined and wasted and her soul was bound for hell. Oh, but then she met the master and he told her of her sin. And he said, if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. There is a river and it flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water, there is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. Jesus satisfies. And what you and I need to know and what we need to share with those that are searching for something that will satisfy, only Jesus can satisfy the inner longings of your life. This woman had gone from man to man, relationship to relationship, trying to find something to satisfy the inner longings of her life. And the Lord of glory, the Lord of the harvest walked into her life and said, if you'll drink the water that I give you, hey, all those, all those cravings and all those things you're searching for, they will be satisfied by me. 
Somebody say, Jesus satisfies. Number two, Jesus sees. This is what you need to know about people. Jesus sees in their life. And he lives in you. Amen. Could I get a better amen? He, hey, this woman came and you know what? He saw something. He was on a mission. He saw something in her life. He had revelation about her life. He knew there was an inner need of her life. Uh, and, and, and he saw into her life. But here's the cool thing about Jesus seeing into her life and seeing what was really going on, seeing down into the inner uh, recesses of her life. He was seeing into her life. And if it, she was the only one, he would have looked into her life and ministered to her. But you know who, what Jesus was looking for? He wasn't this looking for her. He was looking for the whole city. Because it says he needed to go through Samaria. And understand something about you. You may be like that woman at the well and Jesus came into your life and he touched your life and he satisfied you and he fixed some things in your life and he turned your life around. But listen, it's not just about you. It's about the whole city. He sees the whole world red and yellow, black and white. Every one of them is precious in his sight. Those that have been outcast by this culture, those who have been shunned by this culture, those who are Samaritans in some people's mind, and people that are maybe the untouchables or the ones that are, that I don't, I don't know if I want to, hey, Jesus sees into their life and he cares for them. Amen. Everybody say Jesus satisfies. Everybody say Jesus sees. Oh man, aren't you glad he saw your need? He, you know, the one, one song we used to sing, he looked beyond my fault. I said, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. He sees where we all are today. In fact, you may be here today and you may need him desperately. Let's, listen, he sees what's going on in your life and he'll look beyond your fault to see your need. He looked beyond this woman's fault and he saw her need. And God used something less than the, this world's choice to make a difference in a whole city and ultimately an entire culture. He can use, if he can use the woman at the well, he can use us. Amen. Jesus satisfies. Jesus sees. And number three, here's what you need to know about the Lord of the harvest. He seeks. In fact, it says in verse 23, it says, but the hour is coming and then, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He's seeking worshipers. Now, God is not some, uh, what is it, a megalomaniac, someone who just needs somebody to stroke their ego. How many of you know God doesn't have an ego? But God is God, by the way. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need an ego. If you are God, you don't need ego because you are God. And he knows because of who he is, he's seeking people who he can relate to, who he can have relationship with. And the only way he knew that he can have relationship with, with humanity is if they would turn and recognize who he is and began to worship him. God is seeking people to have a relationship within their life. He loves us all. Jesus satisfies. Jesus sees. And he seeks such to worship him. He wants to have a relationship with all of us. In fact, the Bible says about Jesus in Luke 19, 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How many of you appreciate the fact that he found us? 
In fact, one Old Testament passage, I couldn't quote it right now, but it basically says this. It says, uh, he allows himself to be found by. He said, seek me and I'll allow myself to be found by you. You see, you can't find him unless he wants you to find him. But he wants you to find him. He's seeking after you and he wants you to seek after him. Jesus seeks such to worship him. He's seeking to seek out those and to save that which is lost. And right now, in your world, In my world, Jesus is seeking people. He's seeking people in your family who are lost. He's seeking people who are at your job who are lost. He's seeking people uh, up and down your street who are lost. He's seeking such to worship Him. He's seeking to seek and to save that which is lost. Number four, Jesus sins. Verse 38, he says to his disciples this very important uh, passage. He says, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. He's seeking people and he's calling people to send people into the harvest field. You see, the reason he healed you and he sent his helper is so he can send you into the harvest field. Oh, I wish I had time to just go back through all this. He commissioned us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. In fact, Luke chapter 10, he sent the 70. He gave them power and authority over demons and devils. He said, heal the sick, preach the gospel. He said, just get out there in the middle of a harvest field and let her fly. I'm sending you into this world. You see, the reason you're still here on planet earth is because you still have a mandate from God. We still have a mandate from God. The Lord of the harvest satisfies the inner longings of our heart. He sees on the inside of us. He sees our need. He looked beyond our fault and he saw our need. He seeks those to worship him, to have relationship with him. And then he sends us into the harvest. We have a mandate. In fact, Paul said, we're ambassadors for Christ. All the ambassadors say amen. And then finally today, a final little thought about harvest insight from John 4. Jesus saves. I said Jesus saves. They came out and heard because of a loose woman who had been touched by Jesus. They believed on him. That word means they trusted in, relied upon, and clinged and clung to him. They were born again. They were saved. He'll save us from our sin. It says this, they said to her and they said to him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. The harvest is here. Let's stand together this morning. Let's worship the Lord of the harvest. Let's embrace these harvest truths in our life. Let's embrace the reality that God's got us here, not just to sit soaking sour, but to use us in the harvest of God. Lord, today, we thank you that you are the Lord of the harvest. 
We thank you, Lord, that there's harvest around us. I'm going to ask everybody here just to say, Lord, open my eyes to see people the way you see people. Lord, forgive us for judgmentalism. Forgive us for racial mindsets, Lord, or or, or, or big eye, little you kind of thinking. Lord, God, cleanse that out of us. And Lord, if, even if we have none of that, Lord, help us not be so self-absorbed that what to you is obvious has become oblivious to us. Father, open our eyes and our hearts to hear and to see the harvest. Look at people the way you see them and embrace them and love them. Share your love. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, hey, this is a great day to do so. You're part of the harvest. I don't want to leave this room until I at least provide you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're here today and your your walk with God is at best sketchy to where you have question marks, on a regular basis and when preachers start talking the way I'm talking the question marks come up in your life do I really know him am I really his child we can get that settled today with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask you just just you just in your own way just ask the Lord say Lord is this moment for me If you're here today and something on the inside of you says, you know, I just don't really know that I know Him. Jesus is seeking after you today. In fact, the Bible says He stands at the door of our heart and knocks. And all we have to do is open the door. Let Him in. He'll come in and fellowship with us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, today I want to open the door to Jesus. I want to allow Him to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I don't, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to introduce you to the Savior of the world. Just like this woman at the well made a difference in her world, I want to make a difference in your life today. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I want to know him today. I want you to lift your hand wherever I'm at. Wherever you're at, I just say, pray for me. I want to, I want to know that I know that I know Jesus Christ today. Anyone here? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe I've given my life, I believe I've been born again, but I've gotten a little off track and my, my walk with God is a little sketchy and I need to get back in right relationship with him. Raise your hand wherever you are and say, that's me. Pray for me. I just need to get on track. Amen. I see those hands. Father, I thank you today for those who are here. And I thank you, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is so powerful and true and righteous altogether. I thank you that you died. I want everybody to, let's thank him that he paid a great price for us. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for the blood you shed for our sins. Thank you, Lord, God, that that three days later you rose again so we could have new life in you. We embrace the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we thank you for the power of the gospel. It is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Samaritan, red and yellow, black and white, Lord. You died for all of us, Lord. And we thank you for it today. We love you, Jesus. And Lord, help us open our eyes to the harvest this week with our family and friends. Let us see people the way you see them. Lord, let me see my neighbors the way you see them. Let me see my 
the people that I just come in contact with, Lord, throughout life and throughout my day. Let me see them the way you see them. Lord, let me not be oblivious to the harvest. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, bless the Lord. You know what's outside these doors? The harvest. When you go outside these doors, and this week, I want you to open your eyes and lift up your eyes and look and see the field. Don't be oblivious. Let it become obvious. Begin to look at people the way God looks at them and realize that somewhere in my world, there's somebody that's ripe for the picking. Amen.